0: Hello and thank you for joining the New Life Baptist Church podcast. It is such a privilege to be able to share God's Word with you through this platform. And it's our desire that you would have an open heart to receive what the Lord has for you through this message. If you'd like to contact us, please visit our website at newlifecasagrande.com. There you'll find contact information to reach us directly, or if you're local to the Casa Grande area, you'll find information to plan your first visit. If you benefit from this sermon, please share it with a friend or feel free to leave a review. Now, let's get ready to hear what God has for us today
1: up, if you would, to Exodus chapter number 29. Now, before we get started, if you did not get a handout this morning, would you raise your hand high, and our team is going to get you a handout. If you did not get a handout, hold it high this morning. Uh, they're going to come around and, uh, and hook you up with that today, and I hope that you'll follow along with me. You know, I, I love preaching the Word of God, and I'm going to step out of my natural comfort zone Um, and be uh, a little more teachy uh, than I am normally preachy. Now, uh, I believe you can have both, and I hope that's what we're going to have today. I hope we're going to have both. What I'm saying is, normally... My style of preaching is uh, by outline, I memorize the passages, I study the outline, I memorize the outline um, and have everything kind of laid out simplistically and allow the, the God to work as we teach through the text. Um, because of the content of what we're dealing with, I'm gonna tie myself a little more uh, to the notes this morning and, uh, and make sure that we're, we're getting every detail that God would have us to have from this uh, study of the tabernacle. Last week, we introduced this study by really answering three questions. Why the tabernacle? And and the answer to that is because it's the heart of God. And then then why the details? why, Why so many details in the tabernacle? Well, the answer to that is the holiness of God. And then the third question we answered, why does it matter now? It's because the presence of God matters right now. And that's, that's really how we're going to launch today. And so I want us to dive together into the word of God and see what he has for us. Now, let, let, let's begin with this passage, and then we're going to spend some time. Now, it's really important. Look, I am, to be transparent, I am super tired today there's there's emotions raging inside of me and then there's exhaustion from just a busy week we had a crazy day yesterday um Mike Owens taught at CPR. I thought I was going to die, and they were going to have to do it to me. I'm just kidding. He did a wonderful job uh, teaching our children's ministry about how uh, to take care of a child if something were to happen, whether heart-related or choking, etc. Uh, so our team here is prepared for that. Then we had a uh, another long session about making sure we're ready and equipped as a as a, a team of leaders to deal with certain things within our children's Ministry. We always want to be prepared, so super excited about that day. And so we all had a, just a super long week, a super long Saturday, and uh, and so I'm tired. So to be honest with you, I would rather be up here than be where you are. Because if I were where you were with this sermon, I'd be potentially fighting some sleep. Because details sometimes get monotonous and they drag. That's why you have the notes in front of you. You have the notes so that you can fill in the blank, and secondly, so that you can be jotting things. I encourage you as I walk through the passages, you can't write down everything I'm gonna say, but write the references so that you can go back and follow this timeline, uh, and then we'll get to the end of uh, the notes today, and I hope it'll be a, a, a great time of application and help. So without further ado, Exodus chapter number 29, here we go. The Bible says, this shall be a continual burnt Offering. He's speaking concerning the sacrifices that are currently um, being made after the tabernacle has uh, been built. They're going to offer sacrifices upon that brazen altar at the entrance of the tabernacle. So it, it, I just want to get you up to speed. Throughout your generations, at the door of the tabernacle, the congregation before the Lord, where, notice this phrase, please, I will meet you. This is going to be the location where God, as we launched last week, is going to come and move toward his people. This is where I'm going to meet you, to speak to you there, uh, there unto thee. And I will meet with the children of Israel. Now, Now, don't miss that. We're going to come back to that later. And the tabernacle shall be sanctified. Notice this phrase, by my glory, by my goodness. Verse 44. And I will sanctify the tabernacle of the congregation and the altar. Secondly, I will also sanctify both Aaron and his sons to minister to me in the priest office, and I will dwell among the children of Israel and will be their God. And they shall know that I am the Lord their God that brought them forth out of the land of Egypt that, notice the phrase again, I may dwell among them. I am the Lord their God. Now, remember, remember from last week. Why the tabernacle? Uh, Because it's the heart of God. The the heart of God is to be present among his people. And you're going to see that in a minute. And by the way, by the time we're done with this, you ought to be like, wow, wow. I'm amazed that the God of the universe, the creator of the ends of the earth, would so desire to be with me. That doesn't make sense. And it will toward the end. Okay? So so last week, we we talked about this, this place, this tabernacle, the presence of God, the heart of God. Notice your notes there at the top, why the tabernacle. The heart of God is found in the presence, his presence among his people, moving toward his people. Uh, Why? Notice two things. Go back to Exodus chapter number 25. Exodus chapter number 25. By the way, keep your Bibles active today. I mean active. That'll also help you stay connected uh, to the message. But keep your Bibles active this week. Follow along uh, as much as you can. going to be a lot of text, okay? So uh, uh, Exodus chapter 25. Notice what it says in Exodus chapter number 25 concerning God wanting to meet. Now, this was the beginning of instruction for the tabernacle, the first time God's bringing this up to Moses. And the Lord God and the Lord spake unto Moses saying, speaking to the children of Israel that they bring me an offering of every man that giveth it willingly with his heart and ye shall take my offering. Why? Look at verse number eight. And let them make me a sanctuary. Remember last week we said the heart of God wanting to be among the people of God required something unique. In verse number, let's go back to verse number eight, and let them make me a sanctuary. The word sanctuary is that word mikdash. Now, now it, that's the Hebrew word. It simply means this in definition, a unique place for a unique God, okay? Now, is God anything like you and me? Now, other than the fact that we're made in his trichotomy, the body, soul, and spirit, but God himself, is he anything like you and I? No, therefore he would be, unique. Okay. That uniqueness is his holiness. So there's got to be, if if God's going to move toward his people, he's got to be unique in how he does it. And there's going to be a tabernacle created for a unique God to be in a unique place because he is a holy God and therefore demands a holy place. Why? Look at the next verse. Keep reading. That I may dwell in among them. The word dwell is that word, sakan. It, it, it's got a unique, it, it doesn't even have a K sound. It's, it's, it's the idea of s- Sashan. Uh, I, I don't speak Hebrew, so it, uh, getting that dialect to come out correctly would be a little more difficult for me. But that word simply means uh, to dwell to be among, to move in. And so now we see God building a unique place so that he can be among his people. Now, take your Bibles and go to the book of Acts. Acts chapter number one. We have the presence of God now, today. How did we get here? Why do we have God's presence in this manner today? So, so let's, let's just move ahead in time Uh, to the church. Jesus has died, been buried. The blood from uh, Christ's death has been sprinkled on the mercy seat in heavenly places. He has now come back here. He's risen from the grave. He's now living among us. He's instructing his disciples before he ascends. That is Acts chapter number one. And so let's look at this passage together. Acts chapter number one, I want you to see some intriguing things that we're gonna tie into the rest of the day. You say, Pastor, you're already detailed. I, we, look, we, we, we've got to be. If we're going to understand now, we're going to have to start from here and then look backwards to what Christ has done. Okay, so Acts chapter number one, look at verse number four. And being assembled together with them, commanded, this is Jesus, he is with them in their current um, assembly. And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father which saith he, ye have heard of me. I told you about this back in our conversation before I died, John 14, 15, and 16. By the way, hold that in your brain forever. John 14, 15, and 16 is God's instruction concerning how heaven is gonna connect with earth now. Us, believers, okay? Hold that in your head. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost, not many days from now, basically. And so now we're starting out with Jesus Christ giving them again a reminder of the promise that he had made several days before, and then he ascends, he's gone. He departs from them, they go to the upper room, that's where we pick up in Acts chapter 2, okay? Now watch. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven. So notice a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of, notice this word, fire. And it sat upon each of them. So these disciples are in the upper room, and something that seems very strange to us, for me to communicate to you, just saying that the room had this rushing wind sound in it, and they were cloven tongues of fire, that's that's strange to us, okay? You're right, but not strange to them. These were Hebrews... These would have been taught the history of the Hebrew people and they would have understand, understood some things that we just can't connect to about winds and fires. Let me prove it to you. Let's go back to Exodus. Exodus chapter number 19. Now, now again, keep your Bible fired up. Exodus chapter number 19. We're gonna look specifically at verse number six. Exodus chapter nineteen and verse number six. So let me let me bring you up to speed historically. The children of Israel have been in bondage to Egypt. God has rescued them from that bondage. They have now spent a short amount of time traveling from Egypt to Mount Sin- Sinai. Sinai, however you want to say it, that's where they are currently when we begin reading this particular text. All right. Um, God has brought them across the Red Sea. He has begun to feed them. They're a little discombobulated. His father-in-law, Jethro, has now come on the scene and is teaching him, how to Moses, how to organize the people, okay? They have made their way to the foot of this mountain, and God is on the mount, and he's called Moses up to the top of this mount to instruct him. And so God's presence has descended upon the mountain. What do you think the children of Israel would have seen at the top of the mountain when Moses went up? Any any thoughts? Clouds. There there would have been this presence in this moving cloud wind at the top of this mountain where the glory of God has now rested. Moses has gone up there. Now, here's what's interesting. God is now going to begin to offer to meet with his people. And there's a reason why. Uh, God in order to meet with his people needs a representative, a representation of himself. By the way, this is cool. It, that doesn't start now. That goes back to the garden. When God made Adam and Eve, the Bible said, let us make man in our image and in our likeness and let him have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air. So, so watch, when God made man, he made them for two purposes, for a representation and for a... Representative. Let's make man in our image, that's representation. Okay? And let him have dominion, that's representative. Let man be priestly. In a representation of my holiness to his holiness, let man also be a representative by authority as kings, God in the garden, even with Adam and Eve, creating this whole concept of kings and priests, fellowshipping with his people, walking with them in the cool of the day, um, having harmony with man, God meeting with man, but man messed it up. Man's good at that. We're going to see that again in a moment. Man chooses to go his own way, severs that relationship with God the Father. So God, watch, meets Abraham in the book of Genesis and makes covenant. Are we walking together? Anybody bored yet? I hope not. Okay. We're walking together. Adam and Eve fail. Separation from God. God wants to continue his his desire to be among men. he meets with Abraham. He says, through you and your seed, I am going to represent myself to the world. Israel will now be the representation and representative of me, okay? That whole family begins to grow. Abraham, Isaac, Isaac, Jacob, Jacob, 12 sons, sells off brother to Egypt, brother moves to Egypt. Uh, moves up in power. God uses his brother to rescue the nation of Israel from a famine. And now they've been there for three generations until there was a king who knew not God and began to oppress the children of Israel. God rescues his people. We talked about that last week. Brings them out of the wilderness to the bottom of Mount Sinai. That's where we are. Are we caught up? Now, now look with me in the word of God. The Bible says... In Exodus chapter number 19, what God's desire was, look at verse 4 through 6. Ye have seen what I did unto the Egyptians and how I bare you on eagles' wings and brought you unto myself. Now, therefore, if ye will obey my voice indeed and keep my covenant, then ye shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people, for all the earth is mine. Notice the next phrase. And ye shall be unto me a kingdom of priest. Not just one priest, not just a family. Are you are you watching what he's saying? This is this is this is pre pre-Aaron and Aaron's sons. What does God want? I want this nation to be a kingdom of priests. Notice what he says next. The Bible says. And ye shall be unto me a kingdom of priests and holy nation. These are the words which thou shalt speak unto the children of Israel. And so Moses comes down. He shares this information with the people. And now God is going to reveal his power. Notice verse number 16 of chapter 19. And it came to pass on the third day in the morning that there were thunders and lightnings and a thick cloud upon the mount and the voice of the trumpet exceeding loud so that all the people was in the camp, that it was in the camp trembled. And Moses brought forth the people out of the camp to meet God, and they stood at nether part of the mount. And Mount Sinai was altogether on a smoke because the Lord descended upon it. Notice these again words, smoke, fire, wind, fire. And the smoke thereof ascended as the smoke of a furnace, and the whole mount quaked greatly. And when the voice of the trumpet sounded long and waxed louder and louder, Moses spake, and God answered him by a voice. So, so, so notice what's happening in the passage. God is now revealing himself from the top of the mountain where all the people have gathered, all the people unto him. But something happens. The fear of man settles in. Man is scared of that. I, I mean, why not? The, the, the powerful voice of God, there's no way that I ca- or could even uh, remotely articulate the, 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 the amazing glory of God sitting on that mountain and speaking and the tremblings and the thunderings and the noise and the lightnings, and God's voice raining out over the people and they are terrified. And the Bible says because of that terror, they refuse to meet with God as a nation as a whole, as a people. Notice in the word of God with me, if you would, at Exodus chapter number 20, in verse number 18. Exodus chapter 20, in verse number 18. And all the people saw the thunderings and the lightnings and the noise of the trumpet and the mountain smoking, and when the people saw it, they were moved and stood afar off. They said unto Moses, speak thou with us. You need to be the go-between. We can't handle And and, and if you do that, notice the next phrase, and we will hear. But let not God speak with us lest we die. And Moses said unto the people, Fear not, for God has come to prove you, and, and that his fear may be before your faces, that you sin not. And the people stood afar off. And Moses drew near into the thick darkness where God was. God wants this nation to be a nation of priests that he can come in and fellowship with, but they will not have it. And they asked Moses to be that representative, but that's not God's plan. God's going to reach out deeper in order to meet with his people. And we're going to see this now in Exodus 25 through 31. God says, "I get it. You're scared. I'm big. I'm loud. I'm powerful. My glory is so amazing and radiant that that it's just it, it's it's causing you to uh, retract from me." And so now I want to come to you and and so I'm going to give you instructions and details for this tabernacle that we're going to be studying over the next several weeks. But here's the key. Since the people would not come to God, he would come to them. And that brings us where we are in this passage. This elaborate architecture. Drum roll, please. He's given the architecture. Drum roll leads us to this moment right here. Open your Bibles to Exodus chapter number 40. Flip over to Exodus chapter number 40. The tabernacle's done. It's completed. It's all finished. It's ready to go. Exodus chapter number 40 and verse number 34. Exodus 40 and verse number 34. The Bible says, then a cloud covered the tent of the congregation. This is after uh, Aaron and his sons have done sacrifice. So the sacrifice has been made. Aaron and his sons are finished. As soon as that's done, Then a cloud covered the tent of the congregation. The glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And Moses was not able to enter into the tent of the congregation because the cloud abode thereon. And the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And when the cloud was taken up from over the tabernacle, the children of Israel went onward in all their journeys. But if the cloud were not taken up, then the journey did not till the day it was taken up. For the cloud of the Lord was upon the tabernacle by day, and a fire was upon the tabernacle by night. In the sight of all the house of Israel throughout all their journeys. Sound familiar? Did we not just talk about a cloud, a wind and a fire in the book of Acts? Now the tabernacle is done and the blood's been sprinkled upon the altar, okay? God's glory fills the tabernacle. What do they see? Cloud and fire upon this portable location of the holiness of God that would guide his people. Now let's move on. David is now king of Israel. He is sitting upon the throne. He's conquered Goliath and God has removed Saul and David is now the king and things are going well and David wants to have a dwelling place for God that's permanent and God tells David, no, you can't, you can't do that but I will allow your son to do that. He is not a bloody man. See, David, I needed you to establish my nation through conquering I will, through your son, establish who I am through worship and his temple. Both of you have distinctly different jobs for certain times, and so now God's moving us to a permanent, I guess you'd say, non-portable location. Watch what happens. The same detail goes into the temple. The same... Um, organization goes into the temple. The same call upon God's people to provide for the temple. Now now, now watch. Go to 1 Kings chapter number eight. We're, we're going to move a little more rapidly for the sake of time. 1 Kings chapter number eight, the temple is finished. It's all done. Um, the Ethiopians have brought much wealth much gold. Uh, other nations have brought uh, timber, and, and, and all, the, all the details of the temple are done, and the temple has been now set up and finalized. Notice First Kings chapter number eight. If you're familiar with your Bible, first, second and second, Samuel first and second kings. Notice here in chapter number eight. Let's look specifically at verse number 10. 1 Kings, chapter eight and verse number 10. And it came to pass when the priests were come out of the holy place, again, sacrifice done, that the cloud filled the house of the Lord so that the priest could not stand to minister because of the cloud for the glory of the Lord had filled the house of the Lord. Okay, so again, please tie tie with me, ready? Um, the, The first commonality to the book of Acts that the tabernacle had was that God filled his place and we see fire, and wind. Right? Okay. The second time, not the second time, because this will be done many times leading up to the temple. The temple is now built. Sacrifice has been given. We see in First Kings chapter number eight, wind falls and fills the temple. You say, well, see that there's a little discrepancy. Let's go to the parallel passage. Second Chronicles chapter number seven. 1 and 2 Samuel, 1 and 2 Kings, First and Second Chronicles, chapter number 7. Solomon has finished the building of the temple. He offers sacrifices unto God. And this is the parallel passage to 1 Kings 3, 2 Chronicles, chapter number 7. Let's read verse 1 through 3. Now, when Solomon had made an end of praying... The fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offerings and sacrifices, and the glory. Of the Lord filled, there's that word again, the house. And the priests could not enter into the house of the Lord, because the glory of the Lord had filled the Lord's house. And when all the children of Israel saw how the fire came down and the glory of the Lord upon the house, they bowed themselves with their faces to the ground and upon the pavement and worship and praise the Lord, saying, For he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. In this passage we see the fire and the wind and the filling that God gives upon now the temple, the location where he was meet with his people, all right? But man, you can just kind of like, yep, it's coming, but man. God's given them this holy, remember, unique, peculiar place where his holiness resides, where he moves toward his people to meet with them. And then man, they did it in the garden. They're doing it now in the temple. They bring in idols and they worship idols in the temple. They begin to defame the temple and do things God's way, and, uh, uh, their way instead of God's way and, and has brought um, anger to God because they refuse to follow his directive and put their faith and trust in him, to rest with him, to fellowship with him. And so God allows the Babylonian empire to come in to conquer Israel and to wipe the temple out, to bring it to ruin crazy. And from this point forward in the Old Testament, we see prophets prophesying, being given visions of God of another temple that is going to be restored. Remember, what is God's goal? Is God's goal just to meet with one man? Is God's goal just to meet with one nation? God's goal was to meet with all of his people. A matter of fact, notice, n- notice this phrase as we look through uh, the, the, the rebellion and the sin and God bringing it back to what He wanted. in Joel chapter two, I'll read this one to you, verse number 28, as it's being prophesied. Notice what our Lord says, "And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. How much flesh? All flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your old men shall dream dreams, and your young men shall see visions. And also upon the servants and upon the handmaids in those days will I pour out my spirit. And someday is going to come where a new temple was going to be built. And it was. A new temple, the second temple, was built. A place of of worship, but, 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 but again... Man and, and his rebellion hindering the ultimate plan of God. That brings us to the New Testament. Would you open your Bibles to the book of John? Let's, let's keep tracing Jesus from the beginning until now. Open your Bibles up to the book of John. This is the book found in the four Gospels that gives us the, the clearest view of Jesus himself. All four Gospels do. Matthew emphasizes the kingdom, and, and, and Mark and Luke emphasize parts of Christ that are um, relevant to the, to, the, to the harmony of the Gospels. But, but, but the book that really gives, gives us a view of Christ himself is the book of John. If you want to know Jesus in, in a real fresh way, and maybe some of you are brand new believers, then the book of John is where you need to spend some time. John chapter number one, look at verse number 14. This is, this is amazing. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glories of the only begotten full of grace and truth. Now, Now, this is a familiar passage, but there's a word here that might leap off the page if we really understand its word. Now, this is so cool. To me. And again, I just love studying the Bible, so things just come alive. So, so this is so cool. Ready? And the word was made flesh, okay, and dwelt. The word dwelt in the passage in the Greek, if we had it in the Greek wording, which was tied to the Hebrew meaning as well on this word. The, wor- the word dwelt what do you think the word dwelt means in Hebrew? Anybody want to take a guess? We actually had someone who knew it today in class. Yes. It means tabernacle. The word literally means tent. So, so read the text again with the, with the Hebrew and Greek definition that is tied into this. And the word was made flesh and lived in a tent, a tabernacle among us. The Word, Jesus Christ, how do we know that? Go back to the beginning of John chapter number uh, one. In the beginning, in the beginning, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. In class, would you say that last phrase with me? And the Word was God. So what the Bible is saying is, check this out, the Word came in flesh and was a tent a tabernacle among us, isn't that amazing? Jesus Christ, our, our tent, our tabernacle, him coming to us, but you say, pastor, I get all that, that's great, but where is the fire, and where is the smoke? Watch, the fire and the smoke was the presence coming into the tabernacle, Jesus Christ himself, the tent, the tabernacle. Watch what he's gonna do with his disciples just before he goes to the cross. Now look in your Bibles at John chapter number 16. Let's skip 14 and 15 for the sake of time. Go back and read that yourself. But look at John chapter number 16 and verse number seven. John chapter 16, notice what Jesus says here. There's so much in between the lines, by the way. But John chapter 16 And verse number seven, nevertheless, he's speaking to his disciples. He's about to be taken to the cross. He's in just a moment, chapter 17, he's going to pray that final prayer for his disciples. But now he's carrying on a conversation with them before he departs. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. For if I, not, if I go not away, notice this next phrase, the comforter. Uh, the word comforter does not mean, I, I've shared this before. Uh, our English word is kind of deceiving here. Uh, it gives us the idea of someone who comes along and rubs our back and makes us feel better about ourselves because we're struggling. It, they're comforting. The word comforting does not mean that. It means advocate, the one who is the go between the one who stands in the midst between you and I and the Father. It's not this, oh, you're gonna be okay and I'm so glad I got the Holy Spirit because he's making me feel better about myself. That is not his job. His job is actually to make you look more like Jesus, not feel better about you. He's the advocate that comes between us with the glory of God in us and he, sent, he is gonna be that one to, to bridge the gap between me and God. Now, Now, now watch this. The Bible says in John chapter 14, nevertheless, I tell you the truth, 16, it is expedient for you that I go, not, that I go away. For if I go not away, you're not going to get this advocate. He's not going to come unto you. He will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. That is the promise that Jesus makes. Now watch, this is amazing. At this point, Jesus goes to the guard and he prays, nevertheless, thy will be done. They, they take him and, and, they, and they beat him and his blood is spilled. They hang him upon a cross. His blood is spilled and poured out for you and for me. They take him off that cross. He takes his blood while he's dead and goes and sprinkles it on the mercy seat. Ready? Eli, Eli, lama sabbatani, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? At that moment of death upon the cross, the Bible says the earth goes black and the veil of the temple is ripped, hallelujah, from top to bottom, saying no longer do you need the priestly system that I did not want in the first place. No longer did you, do you need that that temple, that tabernacle, this earthly spot and location where heaven meets earth, you don't need that anymore. That veil was, was ripped. Jesus Christ rises again from the grave, conquering death, hell, and the grave, and, and let's keep moving forward. Back to where we were originally. Philippians chapter 2, verse 7, but made himself of no reputation and, and took upon the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of man Hebrews chapter 2, verse 7 and 9, listen to this. Thou madest him, Jesus, a little lower than the angels. Thou crowned him with glory and honor and did set him over the works of thy hands. Thou has put all things in subjection under his feet. For in that he put all in subjection under him. He left nothing that is not put under him. But now we see not yet all things put under him, but we see Jesus who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor that he by the grace of God should taste death for every man. Are you watching what's happening? Okay, can we carefully say for the sake of illustration that the tent to the courtyard, the the, the door to the courtyard of the tabernacle has been opened. Jesus has been laid upon the brazen altar. His blood has been spilt. The high priest now takes his blood and goes into the holy place, follows procedure, we'll talk about later, steps behind the final curtain, and as our priest sprinkles the blood, his blood, upon the altar covering our sins. Do you see the picture? The same thing happened in the tabernacle. Do you see the picture? What happens after the blood is spilt? in the tabernacle and the temple. By the way, for the sake of time, I totally skipped over the high priest. When the high priests were sanctified, okay? This is cool and and, and you can't miss it. It, Oh man, after the tabernacle was built and Aaron and his sons were set apart, God, the same thing happened. They sacrificed upon the altar. Once the sacrifice was done, the glory of God fell in a fire and wind upon the priest. Okay, do you see the picture? Tabernacle, priest, temple. Jesus is now hanging upon the cross. Blood spilled. He carries it to heaven. He lays it upon the altar. He comes back down and tells his disciples, go to the upper room and wait because it's better that I go because if I go, you're gonna get something that you're gonna recognize. And they go to the upper room and that brings us back to Acts chapter number two. Look at there with me one more time. Acts chapter number two. Acts chapter number two. Notice again what takes place. Jesus has now ascended to his father. Acts chapter number two. The Bible says, and when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a what? A rushing mighty wind. And it filled all the house where they were sitting and there appeared unto them what? Cloven tongues like as of fire and it sat upon each of them. Notice thirdly, and they were filled with the Holy Ghost, the presence of God, and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance or ability. You know what? I think the Apostle Paul sums it up best. Would you look at one more passage with me before we head to our conclusion? Look at Ephesians chapter number two. Ephesians chapter number two watch this, Ephesians chapter number 2, we're going to look at verse 19 through 22. The Bible says, Ephesians chapter number 2, verses 19 through 22. Now, therefore, ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but what? Fellow citizens with the saints of the household of God And are built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. That is who? Who's the foundation? Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. It's it's all built upon that tabernacle of Christ, that temple, that dwelling with Jesus. Look at verse 21. In whom all the building fitly framed together groweth into a holy temple in the Lord. In whom ye, all men... That is so cool. In whom ye also are builded together for an habitation of God through the Spirit. You and I are that tabernacle, that temple where God dwells because of the work of Christ here on earth. He lives in us. Does it then make sense why he says what he says a little bit later? Uh, n- notice, and, and I'll just read these to you. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 through 20. Does this make more sense? Please track this. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own. For ye are bought with a the price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. 1 Corinthians three sixteen. Know ye not that ye are the temple of God and that the spirit of God dwelleth in you? Notice 2 Corinthians 6, 16. For ye are the temple of the living God. As God has said, ready, I will dwell in them and walk in them and I will be their God and they shall be my people. Where where was the last time we heard that phrase? If you've been paying attention today, When was the last time we read that exact same phrase? I will be with you. I will walk in you. I will be their God and they shall be my people. Where did we read that? In our original text back in Exodus. Now God's not just talking to the Jewish people. He's talking to all of his people. It's now finally unified. He's now dwelling among his people. He's with you and me. There's no longer just one priest Moses or one family of priests, Abraham, Aaron and his sons. It's no longer one group of individuals. It's no longer one nation. God now dwells among his people. Those who put their faith and trust in him. He's with us. This is the beautiful picture that we see of God's presence in our lives. With that being said, go back to Exodus chapter number 28. And we're going to close out today. If you would go back, excuse me, Exodus chapter number 29 and verse number 42. Exodus 29 and verse number 42. And let's, let, let's just grab a couple things we can take home with us this weekend and walk in. The presence of God. I, I do stand amazed as I look through scripture and tie it all together. How beautiful the work of Christ is. How much he loves us how often he has moved in our direction. Even when we, again, were sinners, Christ died for us. And then to live inside of you and me and dwell with us is absolutely mind-blowing. And I think we could learn a lesson about how all this works from the original lesson found in Exodus chapter number 29. So let's look at this together and we'll close out today. Look at verse number 42 through 46 why the presence of God? What is it about the presence of God? Why is presence such a big deal? Number one in your notes, his presence comes with a promise. His presence comes with a promise. Notice what he says in the passage in verse number 42 of chapter number 29. This shall be a continual burnt offering through your generations at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation before the Lord, where I will meet with you to speak there unto thee. And there I will meet with the children of Israel, and the tabernacle shall be sanctified by my glory. Verse 45, and I will dwell. I'll be a tent among, I'll be a tabernacle among the children of Israel. I will be that unique place to fellowship among the people and will be their God. And they shall know. My presence shall help them know that I am the Lord their God that brought them forth out of the land of Egypt, that I may dwell among them. I am the Lord their God. His presence comes with the promise. What is his promise? Number one, that I will dwell in them. I will inhabit them. I will dwell in them. I will come in and take residence. Okay? Come in and take residence. I've been to Mike Owen's home They've invited me in, and uh, they've offered me some water, and, and uh, you didn't offer me any food. That's, that's, yeah, maybe you did. I don't know, and, uh, but uh, uh, I, I've been to Mike Owen's house, and, um, and so I, I, I'm very familiar with Mike. When uh, The first time I went, I, I knocked on the door and was afraid that I might get shot, okay? I'm just kidding. I, I wasn't, and uh, I knocked on the door, and, 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 and they let me come in, and matter of fact, I've been there a couple of times. Let, let's just say that I decide to go over Mike Owens' house, and instead of knocking, and I doubt this would happen, I just walk right in. The door is unlocked, and, and, I, and I make my way into the kitchen. If you walk through their house, kitchen's in the back and left, and the living room's on the right, and Mike and Janelle are sitting on the couch. The girls are there, and they look up, and they go, uh, well, um, uh, hey, pastor, <laughs> like, that, that is, that is, that's awkward. And I'm like, yeah, it is, isn't it? It's kind of strange, but you know what? I, you know, I'm moving in. Uh, Where's the master? Now, they've not invited me back to the master bedroom, but if I'm going to pick one, I'm going to pick the master bedroom. Uh, why? Because there's a bathroom connected to it, and, and uh, there's probably a, a king bed in there. And so I just began looking through the house. I find the master, Janelle, and Mike are now following me. They think I've lost my mind. And I go, and I'm like, you know what? I don't like that frilly-looking bedspread. I, I'm going to get a different manly bedspread and put there. And, and let's get rid of all this cute little stuff and, and, and bring in some more manly items. And, and uh, we're, we're going to make this. This is where I'm living, Mike. Okay, there's a difference between me visiting and being a visitor, and me taking residence in a place. Okay, um, so, so, Pastor, you moving in? Something going on between you and Robin? Uh-huh. Well, actually, no, the whole family's coming and they'll be here in a couple of minutes. And so we're going to need some more rooms and space to get kind of locked in right here. And, and then I leave their bedroom and I go to the kitchen. I open the fridge and I pull out a pack of meat and grab the bread from the bread box and, and slap a little mayonnaise, make me a sandwich while they're all standing there in shock. I have moved in. I have taken Residence. Get my sandwich. Come back to the couch. I plop down on the couch. Mike kind of strangely begins to accept the inevitable. He plops down in recliner and says, "So, how are things going?" And then we start fellowshipping. We encourage each other. We laugh. We we, we enjoy each other's company and. And of course, you know that would never happen, but you understand there's a difference between being a guest and taking residence. Now watch, the Bible says when Jesus moves among his people, he comes to dwell. The word dwell means to take residence. That means he is not just a visitor, he's a part. But it's more than that. The word dwell doesn't mean just to take residence, it means to take ownership. So now we're sitting on the couch, I look over at Mike and I say, hey Mike, um, the garage. Do you all park your cars in the garage? Do you have a car in your garage? Do you have a car in the garage right now? And Mike's like, yeah, we got a car in the garage. I'm like, dude, that's overrated. Paint jobs can handle the sun out here. Let's park the car on the outside of the house and let's remodel the garage. We're gonna turn it into a man cave. Um, we can put on one side, Kansas City stuff. And then on the other side, we're gonna put Duke Blue Devil stuff. And we'll have a big screen in there and a pool table and, and some places for our guns to hang. Man, this is gonna be a man cave. You're like, dude, I don't have the money for that. I'm like, that's okay, I do. Okay, you see, I've not just taken residence. Now I'm taking ownership. I'm in charge. Now now you and I recognize that that is so far from our thinking, and yet that's what that word means. When God moved in among his people, it just wasn't a tent, for him to hang out. It was a tent so they would recognize the presence of God dwelling in their life, taking residence wherever they went until they got to the permanent spot. And not just residence, ownership. When the cloud rises and moves, it's gonna follow. Whether by day and a fire or by night and a cloud, I've got ownership. I promise you I will take care of you. I promise I will be in your presence. I promise I will lead you and guide you. You just have to trust me. I am your God, and they shall know that I am the Lord their God. Why is it so important that we have the presence of God? Because when God's not present, who takes ownership? We do. When, when, when God's not present, who thinks they're in charge? We do. The presence of God is vital for the success, not only of a people, but of a nation. And now God's showing his presence among them and he he promises them that he will do whatever's necessary so that he can dwell in them. That's important. Quickly, look, look at the second thing. His presence comes with prerequisites. Go back to Exodus 25. We're gonna come back to Exodus 29, but let's just quickly go back to Exodus 25. It comes with prerequisites. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak thou unto the children, verse 1, that they bring me an offering. Of every man that giveth it willingly with his heart, ye shall take my offering. Notice verse number 8. And let them make me a sanctuary, that I may dwell among them, according to all that I show thee after the pattern of the tabernacle and the pattern of all the instruments thereof, even so shall you make it. So so here's what God says. I'm going to move in your direction, but I've got some prerequisites for you. Number one, I need you to provide those things necessary for me to do this. I need you to give. Now, we're not, this is not, it would be wrong for me to make a connection to this giving, to like trying to, it would be very bad and out of context for me to try to take this passage and teach on tithing. This was not it. So don't let a preacher do that, okay? Uh, Can we see a giving heart from this? Sure we can, but it's not a tithing passage. Here's what it is. Do you want me to meet with you? Do you? Do do, do you want me to come and meet with you? I want to meet with you. I want to come to you. Do you? Okay, then, if you want me to, then you need to bring sheepskins, dyed cloths, a certain type of wood, onyx stones, different stones for the ephod. We're going to need some gold. We're going to need some copper as well. There are going to be some things that we're going to need you to bring so, so we can build this temple. I'm going to come and dwell with you, so you must bring me some items first. You must be willing to give of yourself. I find it amazing, I find, and I, I do want to make a, a little connection if I could. In the passage, God says, I want you to fellowship. I want you to worship me, and I want you to give me gold and precious stones and, and very expensive cloths and skins. And yet, uh, we struggle today giving up Facebook to meet with God. We really do. If, if I asked a lot of you, did you spend time with God this week? I can guarantee it, and I hate to say this. I can guarantee 75% of you have not walked with God this week on a consistent basis. And if I were to ask you why, kindly, and I'm not fussing, I'm just being honest. If I were to say why, you'd say, man, I just, I'm just busy, Pastor. Busy with what? Do you work 24 hours a day? Are you literally having to work 24 hours a day to provide for your family? Well, maybe 8 to 10, some 12. What, what do you do after that? i come home and go straight to bed so I can get back up to work. Some of you maybe, but most of you probably not. Right? I'm just, I'm just being frank. Here is a people that wants, God's presence wants to be among them. And he says, in order for this to happen, you're gonna have to bring them. Now watch, this is crazy. If you read the end of the story, they bring so much stuff that the priests have to say, whoa, 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 stop, that's enough. We, we can't take anymore. Well, what are the odds that God would say, whoa, 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 you're just spending way too much time with me. Yeah, you can stop giving up stuff right now because you're just spending way too much. You, do you understand the context? Um, there is a connection here. And, and it, we at least have to consider it. What, what are we bringing and giving up to have the presence of God in our lives, in our midst and among us, right? And, and, and this is what he's asking. Here's, and then secondly, here's what he says. I'm not gonna build it either. You're gonna construct it. Look at, the, at verse number eight. Uh, notice what he says. And let them make me a unique place Now how many times in the Bible do we do we hear God saying let there be boom and there was boom right But there are sometimes God says no I need to see your commitment your devotion I want you to move toward me as I draw nigh unto you and and God tells him construct me a place build me a spot you do this work and then he says and then you're going to have to be sanctified And I've set up a system that not only can you have sins forgiven on a daily basis, then the whole nation, my people, will be cleansed on a yearly basis so that you can walk with me and I can meet with you. It's God's like, I've got it all figured out. I I need to see your effort, and you're going to watch me put forth effort. A personal decision met by a heavenly decision. We see it all throughout Scripture. God calling us to put faith and trust and rest in him through an action. Faith without works is what? Dead. We see that all throughout Scripture. God calling on his people to respond in obedience. And that shows uh, him and and the world devotion to who he is and how great he is. Thirdly, we're close. His presence comes with provision. Provision. God says, when you do this, I will meet with you. The first evident thing you're going to see is my power. That, That moving of God. The power of God evident. Notice what Scripture says. David said, be thou exalted, O Lord, in thine own strength, so will we sing thy praise and thy power. God's hand working alive in our lives. I love 2 Corinthians 12:9. 2 Corinthians 12:9 and he said unto me my grace is sufficient for thee for my strength is made perfect where in weakness. Most gladly therefore will I rather glory in my infirmities why that the power of Christ may what rest upon me. God says, I'm going to provide my power. You're going to see my strength. As a matter of fact, the children of Israel did. Where that ark went, as God led, he provided strength. By the way, remember the one time that God didn't lead and they picked up the ark thinking it was going to be some special wand to give them power, Right? They picked up that ark, they went to fight the Philistines so that God would be with them, and then they lost in the battle, and the ark was captured by the Philistines. That is such a funny story. We'll talk, it, it's going to come up later on, but how the gods were knocked down in front of our God. It's just, it's just such a, an amazing story. But here's the problem they didn't wait on his movement, therefore, they didn't have his power. When they went their own way, they lost. And I think we, we're a little guilty of that today, aren't we? Oh, we, we, we like using God like he's a magic wand and we can ding different things and, you know, but, but, but really, why don't we just obey God and follow God? And, and, and that is the plan. All right, so, so God said, I'm going to provide power. I'm going to provide forgiveness. If you come to me, I'm going to continually provide that covering, that forgiveness that you need for your sins. That, that, that's what I promise to provide for you. And some of us are so overwhelmed and defeated in our past and in our current situations that we just can't see victory on the other side. But God's already promised it. Hey, by the way, can I say this? Um, You don't have to ask God for victory, God's already given victory. What you have to do is claim the victory, live in victory, the conquering work of Christ upon the cross. He says, I will forgive and I will lead you. Notice he says in the text, I will be like a father. I will lead my people and they will know that I am their God. James chapter four, verse eight, draw nigh unto God and he will what? Draw nigh unto you. Draw nigh unto God and he will draw nigh unto you. My wife is in the room and I don't I don't mean to give up secrets. It's probably not a secret. I think it's a secret, but she doesn't. She probably knows I'm a moron and she's recognized it for years, right? You know, there are times that I really, I, I told her last night and I, it had no ulterior motive, but I said, you you are my buddy. You are You're literally my best friend, right? And I just, I love hanging out with her, but sometimes life gets busy and and so there are times where I on purpose need to begin to move toward her again. My distractions have been somewhere else and and boy, I will start to turn on the charm, man, and, and you know guys, we ought to be giving flowers every single day no week and no month uh, year and uh, uh but sometimes we, we we just get busy and we don't and and and, and so I will begin to move toward her. It's amazing to me how quick she picks up on me moving toward her. Because I'll begin to see it in a response to her moving toward me, uh, me moving toward her. I'll begin to see her moving back toward me. All of a sudden, her defenses are down a little bit, and she's a little more relaxed. And and, uh, uh, every once in a while, uh, there'll be something special that she does in response to what I do. You know, that's natural. That's natural. And, and, and we see the same thing happening, not just in a marriage, but in God, God wanting to move toward his people. And in response, his people seeing that and moving toward him. Even so much, God gives permission, draw nigh unto me. And you'll recognize that I've been drawing nigh unto you. Come boldly before my throne. I want you, pray without ceasing. Submit, therefore, unto God, and he will hear you. Pray, walk, fellowship. I'm right here. I've given you everything you need. I'm in your midst. And if you'll just simply pursue, you'll find me. And we see that now, but we've seen it since the garden. And it's beautiful to watch Christ woven just all throughout the storyline of the Word of God. Church, I hope this, this journey is going to give you a hunger for Him when you see how hungry He is for you. Father, thank you for the time that you've given us in your Word today.
0: We want to thank you for joining us on the NLBC Podcast today. We hope that God will allow this message to truly make a difference in your life. As you learn more about Him and as you study His Word, we pray that it will cause you to live out the gospel in a whole new way. Again, if you would like to connect with us, feel free to reach out by visiting our website at newlifecasagrande.com. If you are local to the Casa Grande area, then we would love to have you join us in person. We have services at 8.30 and 11 a.m. each Sunday morning with a host of other opportunities to develop a godly community to learn and to grow. We'll see you next week on the New Life Baptist Church podcast.